All right, how's everybody doing today? Good to see you. Hey, uh, we are uh, one church gathering in multiple locations around this great city that we love. And so I just want to say hello to our North Campus, downtown West. Anybody watching online, uh, maybe you're listening to this on a podcast later in the week. Uh, last but certainly not least, our Northwest Campus. How you guys doing? Good to see you. You guys are doing good. Hey, uh, before we get rolling, just want to uh, celebrate uh, Thursday night was worship night across all of our campuses. And we had uh, about 2,000 people here across all of our campuses. And then most stayed after to serve for our fan ministry. We had nearly 300 um, journey bags that were put together, nearly 50 hygiene kits, uh, 185 gifts for DCS workers were prepared. Uh, my favorite stat, though, is we had 140 um, children, kids who were in the foster care system that were prayed for by name uh, Thursday night. So thank you guys for coming and worshiping and serving in that. That was just an amazing deal. And uh, if uh, this is your first time to be with us, man, I'm just really, really glad that you're here, regardless of what campus you may be joining us from. Uh, next weekend, we begin a brand new series of messages that is going to take us all the way into Christmas. And so uh, come back next week, get in on the front end of that. But today, we're actually wrapping up a series that we've been in, uh, simply called Six Words That Can Change Your Life. And so really the big idea behind all of this is that uh, we're just looking at six ordinary words that uh, can make some space for God to come into our lives and do his thing. For God to speak and to move in ways in our lives that oftentimes gets overlooked. And so we've looked at words like wow and help and sorry and enough and no. And today I just want to look at this uh, word that oftentimes we, we underestimate or overlook the significance of this word in our lives. I know that I do. And it's just simply this word, thanks. Just thanks. Uh, I had a good friend uh, who was telling me a few months ago he was meeting somebody downtown Indy for dinner. And so he was on his way to the restaurant, parked his car, walking down the sidewalk, gets up to the front door of the restaurant right at the same time that a young girl in her 20s, they, they get there at the same time. And so he just opens the door uh, for her, uh, which apparently was the wrong thing to do. And uh, she sort of gives him this look. She's a little bit put out. And she simply said this. She goes, I got it. And so walks on in. He's like, Oh, man, sorry. You know, and so I, I'm, I'm going to assume the best about her. She has a very good reason for feeling that way. But so I don't know what was going on with her. But she sits down at the table with her friends. He's over here eating. He gets done with the guy he's with. And uh, the waiter brings in the bill. And so he goes, hey, uh, why don't you bring me um, the bill from her table? I'm going to take care of it. <laughs> so the waiter has no idea what's going on. He brings the bill over. He goes, should I tell them like who it's from and he goes wait until I leave like that's key right that's that's really key and he wait until I leave and then tell her it's from the guy who held the door open for her <laughs> now I don't know if he got his point across something tells me he probably didn't all right but that's funny regardless of how you look at it and uh and you know what uh studies reveal that showing gratitude is really good for us like it improves psychological and physical health, that it reduces depression, it boosts energy levels, you sleep better, you live longer. Not to mention that the person that you're expressing gratitude towards, it just makes their day. 
And so I think that most of us know that expressing gratitude is a good thing, but I think that of all the words in this series that we're looking at, this is the one that we can maybe be tempted to look at and go, well, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, after all, it's just kind of like good manners, right? Like it's, it's something we know we need to do and we need to do it more. Doesn't necessarily mean I will. It's kind of like eating healthy and working out. Like I know I need to do it and I know I need to do it more. Doesn't necessarily mean it will. And so I think that a lot of this like perspective that we have towards gratitude comes at an early age. It's like the way that we are taught to express gratitude. Um, it's mostly transactional. And so here's what I mean. It's like one of the very first words that we teach our kids to say, right? Like, so we uh, uh, have something that they really want. Maybe it's uh, some candy, maybe it's a toy, and we hold it out towards them, and they reach for it, and what do we do? We go, ah, 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 ah. What do you say? Now? No, not, not now, right? No, we say, thank you. And what, what ends up happening is that we are teaching them, in order to get what I want, then let me just say, thank you. But my heart's not necessarily changed. Uh, I know you don't want to eat the vegetables on your plate, but you need to take your thank you bites. You know, it's like, they did, but, but there's no necessarily heart transformation that's taking place. And so I think that for many of us, we think that thanks or gratitude is just simply good manners, but it certainly wouldn't be a sin that we need to repent of, Right? Like, I don't know, in my 20 years of pastoring, I don't know that I've ever once had anybody come up to me and say, hey, pastor, could, could we talk for a minute? Like, I just really need someone to listen to me, and I need you to pray for me, and I'm just really, really struggling with something. I'm like, okay, what is it? What is it? Well, uh, I just don't say thank you enough, and uh, I'm just really struggling with this, and uh, I've never once had that happen. Um, and so I think that we kind of look at this as, well, it's not that big of a deal, and certainly, like, it's like a sin that God winks at, right? Like God's up in heaven, like, hey, JC, Holy Spirit, come here. Check this out. <laughs> look at how ungrateful they are, right? Isn't that just cute? Like, look how selfish and how much gossip and how much complaining is going on with them. Isn't that cute? They'll, they'll grow out of it. Now, here's what I know, right? And it's not much, so pay attention. <laughs> right? I, I, I know right now that... Um, I need to hear thanks from people in my life more than I think that I do. See, maybe some of you are, are like me in the sense that you work really hard, but you don't do it for thanks, right? Like you're a self-starter, you're, you're, you're goal-oriented, you're going to get stuff done. And you're, in fact, you have a hard time receiving gratitude. Like anybody says thank you, you're like, oh, yeah. Like you, you, don't, you just sort of like brush it off. Like in church world, like super spiritual, this is how we do it. Like, oh, man, thank you so much for serving. Oh, no, no, it's all God. It's all God, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like you're just like a, like a, just like a rubber wall. Like no, it can't get through. Like would you just receive the thank you? Because I tell you what happens is after years of that, even decades of that, some of you right now are cynical, burned out, and angry. And you don't even know why. And there could be a number of reasons for that. Maybe one of them is because you just don't receive thank you enough. Maybe it's because you haven't been willing to receive it. And you just get to this place where you're just like burned out. Here's the second thing that I know. I know that people in my life need to hear me say it. Not just think it, not just feel it, but they need to hear me say it more than I assume that they do. In fact, I was with a group of uh, 
pastors this last week. Uh, it was about six of us. And uh, I knew one or two of them, but I didn't know everybody. And so we're sort of, we only spent two days together. And it was a really good conversation, really good dialogue. And at the very end of our time, uh, the facilitator of the group, right before we went to the airport, he goes, hey, guys, I want you to go around the room. And I want you to look at each other. And I want you to express your gratitude for one another. Just say thank you for something that you've noticed about this other person's character and their contributions to the group. And we had just met. Like, we'd only spent 48 hours together. And so I thought, man, I don't know how this is going to go. And so we spend a little, little bit of time thinking about it. We go around the circle. And I tell you what, man, things got deep real quick. And there were tears that were shed. I mean, every time, like, somebody would be the person that we were expressing gratitude to, their whole body language changed. In fact, at one point in the group, there's a guy who's really going through a difficult time. And one of the guys expressed his gratitude, just one or two things that he'd noticed about him. Here's what the guy did. He threw his head back, closed his eyes, began to cry, and took both hands and just slapped them on his face and just began to weep. And something tells me that an expression of gratitude was long overdue in that guy's life. What about you? What about the people that you know and love? Did you know that in the New Testament, we are repeatedly urged, like repeatedly, to be grateful? The question that I want to answer in our short time together is why? Why are we repeatedly urged to be grateful? Is it because God really wants us to be people with polite manners? I don't think so. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I don't think so. Um, why is it that God wants us to be grateful? And so to, to begin to answer that question, I want to look at an interaction that Jesus has in Luke chapter 17. So if you have a device with a Bible on it, uh, go ahead and turn there. Uh, if not, I'll walk through these passages on the monitor beside me. But uh, look at what it says, picking up in verse 11 of chapter 17. It says that as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the, the border between Galilee and Samaria. So there, these were these two regions. There was a separation between the two. Actually, the Galileans and the Samaritans, they hated each other. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy. Now, we talked about that before. Leprosy was this horrible disease that um, there was no known cure. It was highly contagious. And so if you got leprosy, people didn't want to be around you. They didn't want to have anything to do with you. It was a death sentence. And so 10 men had it, and they stood at a distance. Now you know why. They cried out to Jesus, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them, and he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. All right, now, that's kind of an interesting thing to say. Now, there was an eight-day cleansing ritual that the priests of the day would do. So that's possibly what Jesus is referring to, meaning that, that they know about that. That's, but Jesus does, notice what he doesn't say. He didn't say, hey, go to the priests and have them do the eight-day cleansing ceremony. He doesn't say that. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. And it's almost as if, knowing what's going to happen, Jesus is kind of setting up a little show and tell here. Because it says, as they went, as they went, as they obeyed, they were cleansed of their leprosy. I love how a theologian named J.C. Ryle puts it. He says that help met them on the path of obedience. That's a little side nugget. You might tuck that away and put it in your back pocket. That's not the primary point of this message, but maybe some of us need to hear it. Is it some of us are waiting for God to come through, then we'll obey? God says, why don't you obey, then I'll come through? See, the Holy Spirit is a conservationist. He only gives power as it's needed. 
And so these guys have no guarantee of anything. Jesus says, hey, just go show yourselves to the priests. And so as they go, I love this, as they are walking along, they go, hey, I don't have that rash anymore. I've been healed. Jesus has cleansed me of my leprosy. Now, check this out. In verse 15, it says, Only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. Only one came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. So this indicates right here that out of the ten, um, there was a good number of them that were Galileans. In other words, they had home field advantage. But this guy, the one that was healed, maybe possibly the only one that was healed, he was from Samaria, meaning he's the only one that took the effort, the time, and the energy to come back to Jesus to say thank you. Um, it, would, it would have required him to go out of his way. He would have had to take time off work. He would have had to go back through border control. That would have taken a long, long time. Nobody likes long lines. He would have had to have the paperwork. He would have, it's, and, and then the guys that were there from Galilee, I mean, it's only a 15-minute drive by camel at best. But they don't even bother to go back to Jesus to say thank you. No, it was the one outsider. It was the one Samaritan that came back to express his appreciation to Jesus. Now, catch Jesus' question here, verse 17. Jesus says, didn't I heal 10 men? Like, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now, Jesus here seems genuinely surprised. And Jesus wasn't genuinely surprised, like hardly ever. Like, one of the things that you'll notice as you read through the Gospels and read through Jesus' life and ministry is that um, there wasn't very much that would catch him off guard. He had that whole foreknowledge thing going for him. In fact, like one time, like Jesus was talking to this uh, uh, rich young ruler, this guy who comes to Jesus. He's trying to justify himself through religious means. And he comes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why don't you follow the commands? And he goes, I've done all that since I was young. Jesus is like, man, that's amazing. Very few people have. Why don't you go sell everything you have and give it to the poor? And Jesus wasn't saying that that was what was needed for his salvation. Jesus knew what his heart needed to hear. And so the young guy goes, I'm out. I'm not going to do it. And he taps out and he walks away. And Jesus was not surprised by it. Like Jesus wasn't like, oh man, stink. <laughs> didn't expect you to bail, right? Like come back, let's renegotiate here. Like he didn't do that. Jesus was not taken off guard because he knew the young man's heart. He let him walk. That's amazing to me. How about this? How about the day that Jesus met Judas for the first time? You remember Judas? Judas, one of the disciples that betrayed Jesus, selling him out for a few pieces of silver. Could you imagine the day that they met? It's like, hey, my name's Jesus. What's your name? I'm Judas. Oh. <laughs> You're the guy I forethought about, right? Like, I know where this is going, right? And, and yet the amazing thing about Jesus, knowing what Judas would do, Jesus still invited him into his life. Jesus was very rarely ever surprised. But here, he seems genuinely surprised at their lack of gratitude and even a little bit hurt. And you know what? I don't blame him. We've all been there. Have you ever done something nice for someone? Maybe you picked up the bill. Maybe you went out of your way. Maybe you gave the compliment. Maybe you helped someone move. Maybe you uh, waved someone in front of you in heavy traffic. You didn't have to, but you're a good person. 
and you wave them in front and they didn't even acknowledge you. They didn't even give you a thank you wave. Everybody knows you do the thank you wave. But what did they do? They were like, you know, like that. it's like Mr. and Mrs. Entitlement, all right? It's just like, well, I didn't know the king and the queen were in town. Or I would have stopped traffic completely, right? And so you do something nice for someone, and then they don't express gratitude in any way. This stings a little bit. And these nine men, they never come back to say thanks. Now, they were religious enough to know where to go find a priest to do the eight-day ritual cleansing, but their hearts hadn't been changed. There wasn't anything about the grace of God that had come to them through Jesus that had changed them in any way. Now, here's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing that word eventually gets back to these other nine that Jesus was a little miffed. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing that here's how it probably happened. The one guy who got healed, the Samaritan, he probably posted it on Instagram, right? And he's probably like, hey, look at me, right? Like I'm like totally healed and hashtag blessed. And, and it's like... And he's doing the story and all that. And then the other nine guys are like, hey, we were, we were too. Isn't it so great? And he like DMs them going, hey, by the way, we need to talk. Like, like Jesus is kind of irritated with you. Have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever had a friend or a family member or an in-law through another person say, well, you know, I really wish they would have said thank you. And it's oftentimes like we get super defensive in that moment, right? We like make excuses. And I could just imagine the excuses that came out of these nine guys' mouths. Well, I was going to. I mean, I didn't know Jesus was like doing this for the thanks. I mean, is he really that insecure? I mean, it's like I got a lot going on over here in Galilee and I was on my way to Starbucks to get the gift card and I was going to do the handwritten thank you. He just didn't wait long enough. I'm sure that there was all kinds of excuses that they had. It, it was worth me actually this past week doing an inventory of my own heart and going, why don't I express gratitude more than, than I should? And I just actually came up with a list and see if you can identify with any one of these or maybe all of them. One, one of the reasons why I don't often express gratitude more than I should is just disappointment. It's just plain old disappointment. In other words, unmet expectations. Like, yeah, uh, you did something nice for me. I really appreciate that. But it actually wasn't what I wanted. It actually wasn't what I needed. Like, that was your love language, not mine. And so, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Another one is this, uh, is just simply oversight, right? Like I meant to, had every intention of it. I just got busy. I didn't get around to sending the email. It just wasn't on my radar. And then one week turned into two, and then two turned into three. And then it would just be kind of awkward if I actually said thank you after that, because, you know, enough time's gone by. Another is an assumption, like, they already know how I feel. Like, it doesn't need to be verbalized. They know. But do they? And actually, even if they do, it would be nice to hear it. Another is underestimate. Like, it's really not all that necessary. It's nothing more than polite, good manners, but nothing more than that. Another is just I'm a little bit embarrassed. Like, it's going to be awkward. I have a hard time expressing myself. It would be easier not to. I think a lot of guys struggle with this. I'm not saying that ladies don't either, but I think especially this is true for us guys. Another is just I'm apprehensive. I just have a hard time articulating myself. Like, how will this be perceived? Are they going to think I'm trying to kiss up? I don't want to be a kiss up. I think a big one is entitlement. Entitlement is just basically like somebody owes me. And until I receive what I'm owed, I'm not saying thank you to anybody. And entitlement is that thing that locks us up more than anything else. 
Um, several months ago, I was uh, on my way to a meeting in the middle of the afternoon. I needed like an afternoon pick-me-up, so I decided to swing through a Starbucks on my way uh, to the meeting. And I'm like in a hurry, and I, I'm going through the drive-thru, and somebody just like completely cuts me off, like right in front of me. And I was like, oh, you know. And so I'm like trying to be good. The whole pastor thing going on. And so I got, so I'm like, I'm like don't, you know, don't yell at them, don't do anything. I'm just like, oh, just be chill, it'll be fine. I'm, but here's the deal. They had this long, drawn-out order. Right, and it's just like, and they're taking forever, you know, you gotta wait for the egg bites to heat up, whatever, right? It's like, so, so they get this thing going in the drive-thru and I'm like, oh, oh. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be late. And they finally, they pulled away. I pulled up to the window just for my simple little, you know, drink. And the lady comes, she hands it to me and she says, hey, the car in front of you paid for your drink because they felt bad for cutting you off. <laughs> Man, I hate that, right? It's just like. <laughs> You want to talk about like cutting you down to size real, it's like, it was as if somebody uh, put a mirror in front of me and all I could see was Mr. Entitlement. It's like as if they owed me something. And it just, the, the ex, their ex, small expression of gratitude just convicted me. Let me give you two more. One is envy. Like I just, I, I, I see what other people have and it's just really hard for me to, to express gratitude. So I don't want them to get a big head. You ever heard somebody say that? Hey, I was going to compliment you, but I didn't want you to get a big head. Well, thank you. All right. Didn't know that it was your job to keep my head small. <laughs> can, can I just actually say, like, that should never come out of your mouth, like, ever. Like, even if the person does have a big head, even if they do have a pride problem, let God shrink their head. He doesn't need you. All right. Just, you just express gratitude. You just give encouragement. I bet you God will use your encouragement to humble them. He, I bet you he will. Let me give you one more. Worry. Man, worry's a big one. It's like when all you can see are your problems and the things that aren't going really great in life and all the things that you're like, man, if those things would resolve themselves, then I'd be happy. Man, all I can see are the problems in front of me. That'll lock down gratitude faster than anything. See, what Jesus says next to this Samaritan is really fascinating. He says in verse 19, Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. That's really Interesting that he puts it that way because I, I had to kind of go back and reread that this last week because I'm like, now wait a second, weren't all 10 healed? And they weren't. This is actually the first time and the only time this word is used in the whole passage. If you go back and read it, Jesus cleansed the lepers, but the Samaritan was the only one that was healed. And that's an interesting observation. They were cleansed of their leprosy, but they weren't healed. And there's a difference. And it's a subtle warning for, for many of us that, that maybe for many of us, we're asking God to deliver us out of our circumstances. We're asking God to free us from something, and he will. But it doesn't necessarily mean that our hearts will change. You can be cleansed but not healed. See, what Jesus is after is transformation. He's not after your religion. He's not after your behavior. He's not after your moralism. He's after your heart, which means that he won't always give you what you want. God refuses to be a cosmic vending machine where it's like the only time I go to him is when I want something. And if he doesn't give me what I ordered, then he must not be good or he must not be real. Or maybe you're just not God. And Jesus is really concerned about the shaping of your heart. And I don't know about you, it's been in the difficult seasons when I don't get what I pray for and don't get what I want that actually drives it down to a heart level, to this place called transformation. And transformation is never a transaction, ever. And that's the problem with 
treating gratitude like manners, is that we kind of treat it like it's a transaction, but, it, but it's not. Jesus is more interested in the development of our hearts. And I think this is what a guy named Paul was trying to get at when he writes a letter to a young leader that he was mentoring named Timothy. And he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. And he says to him, Timothy, in the last days, you're like, you really should know this, Timothy. In other words, I want you to, to take some notes. I want you to pay attention. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. And we would all go, yeah. For people will love only themselves and their money. And we would go, yeah. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. And all the parents said, yeah, amen, right? And ungrateful. Like, whoa, that seemed to be a little bit out of place. Ungrateful, really? Like, why is that in there? It seems to be a bit out of place. But it's there because one of the marks of the journey towards transformation is a heart of gratitude. And some of the most humble, secure, confident people say thank you a lot. And so what does gratitude do? Well, let me just run through a few things. If you're taking notes, these are the things to write down. Maybe you take out your phone, take a picture of the screen to take this with you. This is what gratitude does. First of all, gratitude helps me put things in perspective. It right-sizes things. It's like a, a set of corrective lenses on my entitled eyes. So um, my wife and I, when we got married, we had an outdoor ceremony. I've talked about this before, but many of you uh, maybe weren't around the last time I talked about this. And we got married in uh, her aunt and uncle's backyard um, on, in June in southwest Missouri where the weather can change on a dime. And the whole day, it was sunny and beautiful out. And then about 30 minutes before the wedding ceremony was to start, uh, a dark cloud parked itself right over the house that we were getting married at. You might think I'm exaggerating. I'm actually not. Um, her uncle had a radar. There was literally a cloud that would not move. And in one mile in any direction of the house, it was sunny. And 30 minutes before the ceremony started, it just poured. And it wouldn't let up. And we're waiting. We're postponing the ceremony. We wait about 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Finally, we're like, we got to get the show on the road. And I'm like, man, God, what do I need to repent of? Like, did I do something wrong? You know, I'm just like, oh, this is horrible. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we start to have the ceremony in the pouring rain. It was amazing. Like the musicians almost got electrocuted. And like the groomsmen are just like soaked all the way through their tuxedos. And like there was a guy that volunteered out of the crowd to get one of those big, large uh, uh, umbrella tables uh, that, you know, the big umbrellas. And he held the thing like this, standing in between us. He was like, shaking the whole time. The dude was amazing, right? And so we do the whole ceremony. We get done. We go to the receiving line, and then the cloud moves. The sun comes out. And we were, like, receiving people in the receiving line, and there's this group of girls from the Caribbean islands. Like, I, don't e I, don't, I didn't even know them. I don't even know how they got there. They were, like, friends of, friends of somebody in college or something. I'm like, you got something better to do? All right. So, but they came to our wedding, right? And so they're coming through the receiving line, and they walk up to us with these big smiles, and they said, you must feel so blessed. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, it rained on your wedding day. Like, it, it poured down rain on your wedding day. We're like, what are you talking about? And um, they said, you see, in our culture, rain is a sign of blessing. And it's so clear to us that God is blessing your marriage. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally knew that. Like, I knew 
where you were going with that. Like, we're so grateful. And uh, like after I pulled my wife off of them, you know, uh, no, she actually responded really, really well. Um, we realized, you know what? Uh, we could actually be grateful for, for this. You mean even that? You mean even a circumstance like that? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it, it says this. Be thankful in, say it with me out loud at all of our campuses, all circumstances. Really? You mean all? Even the bad ones? Even the difficult ones? Even the tough ones? That's what it says. It says in every circumstance you faith. Be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You mean it's God's will for me that I would go through tough times? No, it's God's will for you that he would shape your heart. It's God's will for you that you would be transformed. It's God's will for you that you would live a less entitled life and a more grateful life. That's God's will for you. See, I think that for many of us, we think that in order to be grateful, we've got to be happy. And it's the exact opposite. That we express our gratitude and then happiness comes. You can be thankful in every situation. Think about that this week. That means I can be thankful when someone compliments me or criticizes me. That means I can be thankful when someone gives up their seat for me or just stays right where they are, like a lazy bum. That, that means that I, that means that uh, like when I'm late for a meeting, I can actually go in and express gratitude, meaning I can, instead of walking in and, and offering an excuse, like, man, the traffic is really bad, I'm, I'm so, so sorry. You just walk in and go, man, thank you for your patience. Watch how that changes the meeting. Because you're not entitled when you walk in. You can walk in and you can say, man, thank, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the unsolicited advice. You know, thank you for cutting me off in traffic. Uh, uh, th- you, know, you can even thank the person who's being rude. And I'm so grateful that I'm not having a crummy day like you. I mean, just try it and just see what that word does to your whole demeanor. Here's the next thing. Gratitude reminds me that it is not about me. And this is so huge because we live in a world and a culture that makes it all about us. In fact, I think I've even seen a billboard that says it's about you. And so we just feel like everything's kind of circled around us. And what gratitude does is it shapes your heart and builds your character. It's one of the fastest ways to take the spotlight off of yourself. Gratitude helps me get over me. And I would say this is a human thing, but this is an especially uh, difficult thing when it enters into, like, the church family. Like, when entitlement begins to enter into our Christian lives, like, that's, that's the thing that just will brings everything to a screeching halt. I want to show you this graph. This is actually one of the very first times I've kind of publicly walked through this. So I, I hope it makes sense, and I might continue to tweak it as we go because I think it's helpful, is that uh, here's a scale, negative 5 to positive 5. I want you to think about this is like our spiritual journey, all right? So negative 5 would represent like maybe the most hardened, cynical, like atheist, Right, like negative five, like the lead singer for a satanic metal band or something. I don't know, right? So hardened atheists. And then people's, people don't just switch from this to this. Very Usually it's a, it's a walk, like it's a journey. And so you begin to open up, you begin to soften up, you begin to meet people, God begins to work in your life. You get to this place of neutral, you're open. And then the place of salvation would be on this other side. You're growing as a Christian all the way to positive five, whatever that looks like, all right? Uh, the growth towards discipleship, spiritual maturity. Now, I've been uh, in church long enough to know that there are some pitfalls here. And I think that our church is really good at reaching out to negative threes and all the way through positive threes. 
But there's something that happens right here in our spiritual walk. And it's, it's happened in my life. I've seen it. I've noticed it. And I would say it's entitlement. Meaning that you've been following Jesus long enough to forget who you were. You've been following Jesus long enough to forget how amazing grace is and that you didn't deserve any of it. You've been following Jesus long enough that actually you don't have very many non-church friends anymore and it's really easy to judge them and be legalistic. You've been following Jesus long enough that actually the form of the church, meaning the worship and the programs and the teaching and all that, it's the methodology has changed and you're not happy about it. And so we say things like, well, I'm not being fed anymore or it's not, I don't get to serve in the way that I want to serve anymore. All of those statements are dripping with entitlement. And I'm saying we got to be so careful. When we get right around this spot right here to actually, that's when gratitude needs to be reintroduced to our hearts and simply say this, I don't deserve a thing. It is all grace. And actually, I'm going to get in on the mission of God and I'm going to be others focused because rescued people rescue people. That's what they do. So we'll see if I'll use that again later. All right, so uh, here's the next one. It builds up other people, right? It builds other people up. I would say that gratitude is like the fertilizer for the soil of the relationships of your heart. Hey, here's a thing to actually do a gut check on. Uh, ask yourself, have my relationships and friendships actually been struggling lately? Have they been falling apart? And then look at gratitude and say, has there been enough gratitude here? The only place in the Bible that it challenges us to be competitive is in showing honor, which is expressing gratitude towards one another. Here's uh, the last one that I'll give you. It's contagious. Gratitude is contagious, man. How about this? Next time somebody comes up and starts gossiping, uh, express gratitude over something. And watch how it just stops them. Next time somebody begins to, to, to gripe or to complain or to or whatever it is, to whine, uh, just begin to be grateful. Because those words are contagious too. But man, when you begin to express gratitude, that's contagious. Because the language of arrogance is complaining and criticizing. The language of humility is gratitude and encouragement. And when I can't be grateful, that's me basically saying, other people and God, they still owe me. But God doesn't owe me a thing. Man, it is all grace, and so I'm, I'm grateful. There's an uh, old preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon that preached in London uh, several centuries ago, and uh, there's a story about him uh, talking to a, a lady in his church, and he was explaining the gospel to her. He was leading her to Christ, and she was a very talkative lady to the point that Spurgeon couldn't get a word in edgewise. And if you know anything about Charles Spurgeon, that's saying a lot. And so he's trying to, to, to lead her to Christ, and he gets to this place where it clicks for her, and she responds, and then she says this. She says, oh, Mr. Spurgeon, if Jesus saves me, he will never hear the end of it. <laughs> and that's a pretty good picture of gratitude. It's like that's what can get you beyond positive three in a healthy way. To go, oh, man, if Jesus saves me, he'll never hear the end of it. I'm going to continue to be grateful even when the circumstances don't seem to call for it. And some of us, we don't get a pass on this one. It's not like we go, well, I'm just not very good at gratitude. No, actually, none of us are. That's why we need to learn gratitude. That's why it needs to be a daily practice where we remind ourselves to be grateful. So here's this week's homework, all right? I want you to go out and I want you to say thanks this week 
as much as you possibly can. And I don't want you to make it a transaction. I want it to come at a heart level. Go and say thank you to somebody and then tell them why you're grateful. Man, go and say thanks to someone that you've been taking for granted. Go and say thanks to someone who never asks for it. I bet you they need to hear it. Go and say thanks to somebody that maybe you've been avoiding, that there's some drama in their relationship and you just need to go express some gratitude. Go say thanks to someone, it's long overdue. Go say thanks to a pastor that has impacted you. And I'm not saying that so that you'll thank me, all right? This is Pastor Appreciation Month. Go find a pastor. Maybe it's a pastor you grew up with. Maybe it's your campus pastor. Maybe it's a pastor in another city somewhere, a pastor where you went to college, and you never thanked him. Or maybe you just need to thank him again. How about this? Why don't you find another pastor in our city, and maybe you work with somebody that goes there. Maybe you're related to somebody. You live in the same neighborhood, and you've heard about how they've impacted them. Just write them a little handwritten thank you. Say, hey, man, I'm from Trader's Point. Just wanted to thank you, wanted to bless you. And I'm telling you, they, they probably need to hear it. Let's be that church. Let's be that church that just goes, man, we're just going to express gratitude freely and often. Why? Because it's good manners? No, because changed hearts demand it. Like, I'm going to just live a life of gratitude because of what Jesus has done for me. There's a, uh, an author and a theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who lived during World War II. And he was a part of a, of a group of people that were trying to take out Adolf Hitler. I just think that's so cool. My life is so boring. And uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer got arrested, thrown into prison, where he would eventually be sentenced to death right just before the war ended. And Bonhoeffer wrote some of his most profound writings in that prison cell. And one of them was a statement that simply reads like this. It is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. It is only with gratitude. He wrote that in a prison cell, knowing he'd never see his family again, knowing that death was waiting for him, and yet he still managed to be grateful. And I got to ask, what about my life can I not express gratitude over? You mean, you want a rich life? And I'm not talking about monetary wealth. I'm talking about a full, rich, joyous life. Be grateful. And it'll follow that. So here's what I want us to do right now at all of our campuses. I just want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Not because that's what turns the on switch on for God to listen to you, but for focus and for privacy. And we're wrapping this series up. Today's the last day of the series. And so here's what I just want to simply do is I just want to pray a prayer over you. I'm guessing that maybe right now today there's somebody here and maybe this message or this series has hit you in a pretty significant way. Maybe not every message was equally applicable, but there was something that really hit you. Maybe it was today. Maybe you realize that you've been living an entitled life. You didn't even know it. And you just need to be more grateful. Maybe you realize that on that scale of negative five to positive three, you're a positive three moving towards entitlement. You're making this church experience all about you and you don't want to go there. And so maybe God needs to do some business with you. Maybe you need to get back on mission, realize it's others focused. Maybe today you've been playing the religion game and you've been trying to prove yourself worthy in God's eyes and you just can't do it. And it's led to burnout and cynicism and anger. And you need to respond to the gospel, maybe for the first time, maybe once again. And so I just want to lead us in a prayer. And I just want you to make these words your own as we just invite the spirit of God into this place. Father God, we come to you right now and we need what you have. 
There isn't anything we can do to justify ourselves in your eyes. There isn't anything we can do to pay off the debt that we owe. And we just need to hear that we are loved just as we are and that all of it is a gift, all of it is grace and it comes through Jesus. So Father, forgive us where we've lived entitled lives. Forgive us when it's been difficult for us to be grateful. Father, forgive me when I've made this life, when I've made my marriage, when I've made my friendships, when I've made my church experience all about me. And I don't want that any longer. Father, today I realize I don't have a relationship with you. And so I wanna respond to the offer that you've made that comes through your son, Jesus. And so I just admit to you that I'm a flawed sinner in need of the grace that only you can give. And so I ask that you would forgive me and I can't give you much, but I can give you my whole heart. And so I just open it up to you today and ask that you would enter in. You'd save me, not just for eternity, but that you would save me for something here on this earth. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, with your head still bowed, eyes closed, just for another second, I just simply wanna ask if, if God did something there, whatever it is, whatever application it was, maybe you received Christ, maybe you were just, you're like, I just need to, I need to apply this truth to my life. If God just did something, you just had a moment there, would you just raise up your hand real quick, just around the room, just raise up your hands. There are hands going up all over the room, which means you're not alone. We're all in this together. And this whole morning came down to this moment where the spirit of God just wants to do a work within you. And so let's let him do what he does. Let's just make some space for him to work. And we'll spend a few moments just with him. And then in a minute or two, the team will lead us in our response of worship.